following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Hey, where y'all at? It is a thrill. I love this show. You're telling me a big fat lot. I was hoping for funny crazy. I will get on stage on Broadway and I will reenact the rantings of Charlie Sheen one day. Think you can replace me with some other guy? Go ahead. It won't be the same. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. Do not bring Shakespeare into this. You're so smart. Oh, really? Well, so are you. And yes, the rumors are true. They smoke, they drink, they use bad language in mixed company. They're extremely rich and they can flash more bling than most posses in this room. I know exactly who that is. That's the mother that loses every goddamn game. That's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Get rid of him. Wow. Bros, come on. I love you, bros. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me, Savior! Long Joy score! Carlson sends it on the way. It's back to a 3-3 game. Turnover. Point blank. Score! Hathaway again! Two takeaways from that game against Philadelphia. First, good to see Joe Bentonani and Craig Laughlin back on the road and live in the opposing arenas. And second, thank God for Garnet Hathaway. Two goals there in the third period. Well, one in the second, one in the third giving the Caps a 5-3 win over the Flyers. Welcome to the Bob Matthews Podcast, everybody. Brought to you, as always, by the good folks at DraftKings. The Capitals now are off on a little bit of a mini break here. They do not have another game until next week uh, because we've got a lot of makeup games being played here in what was supposed to have been the Olympic break, the Capitals now, because they've played more games literally than anybody in the league. Uh, They've got a seven-day break here while everybody else tries to catch up at least a little bit. And they are not playing again until they go to New York to play the Rangers next Thursday. So they're going to use that time to get a little bit of rest and heal up and get ready for the stretch run. We're going to talk with NBC Sports Washington's J.J. Reagan in just a few minutes, get an insider's perspective on what the final push here for the playoffs looks like and whether the Caps might be shopping for something, whether it's a middle six forward or a number one goaltender as the trade deadline comes up. First, though, let's go back and take a look at last night. Capitals win it 5-3 to three over Philadelphia. John Carlson added an empty net goal with less than a minute left. That gives the Capitals two straight and two straight in regulation. The first time they've done that, amazingly enough, this year, this calendar year. It was back in uh, December, uh, the last time they actually won two games in regulation without having to go to overtime. So... That's nice right there. It also uh, solidifies their position, you know, in the playoff race a little bit. Again, not that anybody is stressing at it right now, uh, but they keep that 13-point cushion over Detroit, who is currently in ninth in the conference. As far as the standings go, and again, it's all kind of skewed because nobody's played even close to the same amount of games. Pittsburgh is still in first place. They've got 70 points right now, but they've played 51 games. The Capitals have played 52. They've got 65 points. Caps in fourth right now. The Rangers are in third uh, in the Metro. They've got 67 points. They've played 49 games. Carolina sits in second right now, but 68 points in just 47 games. So they've got five games in hand against, you know, with Washington 
so you know, right now, if you'd have to put a bet on it, I'd say we're going to have a new champion of the Metropolitan Division this year for the first time in five years. But of course, it's all about getting into the playoffs. That is what you want to do once you get in. Anything can happen, and it frequently does. All right, let's go into the locker room. Let's hear from Peter Laviolette from last night, shall we? I think we shall. Get Lavi's summation of last night's game. First period, not so bad. Third period, not so bad. Second period, not so good, according to Lavi. Well, the second period wasn't good. You know, we didn't generate anything. We didn't bring anything to the net. We had no attack to our game. I thought we were better in the third period. Um, you know, couldn't score, fell, fell behind in the period, and then, you know, we were able to get, uh, uh, put some pressure on at the end and score some goals. You, you know, when you tie it up, you probably think you're heading overtime at that point yeah. and, uh, you know, able to get the regulation and the empty netter. So, uh, first period was, it was, it was okay, you know what I mean? It wasn't, uh, I don't think that either team dominated, um, but the second period we just, we, we've got to have more bite to our game with the way we play. And uh, we talked about that and going into the break, and uh, I thought the guys responded in the third with a better period. Yeah, they most certainly did. One thing that's been getting a lot of talk uh, the last few weeks has been the production of the fourth line, and I'm talking about Nick Dowd, Carl Haglund and Garnet Hathaway. Of course, it was Hathaway last night with the two goals, the tie and the go-ahead goal. And Laviolette says that, yeah, it's been not just important, but damn near critical if uh, for the Caps to salvage some of these games. Um, you know, to be honest, it's more expected right now, just the way they play the game. Um, like I said, they've done an excellent job uh, last couple of years of just um, they have a good identity. You know what you see from them is their identity, and they bring that pretty consistently on a nightly basis. And um, they're able to they're able to produce as well. It's not just about defense for them. They they have that same identity in the offensive zone, and it generates chances. They, I think they have been in general, whether it shows up in goals mm -hmm. or assists, um, which it did tonight. But they do a good job of getting out of the defensive zone and into the offensive zone and generating time, generating chances, and, um, you know, they're able to score goals. You heard Peter Laviolette use the word identity a couple of times there, and that's, it, that's what the nine is that line is known as. It's the identity line. It's the, uh, it's the line that kind of sets the tone for this team. And more and more, even though it's, it's technically considered the fourth line, you're seeing more and more in crunch time uh, that Dowd Haglin Hathaway line getting increased minutes. Talk to John Carlson as well. Uh, Carlson scored an empty netter to cap things off. Talk to Carly about how this was definitely one the team needed going into this break. That's important. I think um, just with our scheduling and everything, as we you know, I think we had a, a good first period and really, really uh, didn't do anything in the, in the second period. So it was nice to, um, you know, we we played better in the third. But um, you know, when you go down like that, it's nice to uh, to change that momentum right away. And I think um, you know, those are those are big points for us right now. And I mean, everything's not going as smoothly as we all uh, hope, but. Um, you know, through those times where you don't feel like you got your A game, to come away with wins is, is just as important. 
Now, one of the turning points of the game was when the Flyers had a two-man advantage. For about a minute and a half, the Capitals were able to successfully kill off both that and the resulting uh, one-man advantage there. And Carlson said last night that, yeah, that you know, being able to kill off those two penalties was one of the keys to pulling out the win. Really big, I think. I think our PK's been really good. I think uh, we, we kind of have a few isolated incidents that have turned around and come back in our net. But overall, I think, you know, it, it feels good. It, I think the numbers are good. And I think it, um, you know, I think it deserved a, a back pat after, a, you know, a big, uh, big kill and a big moment. So the Caps go into this six-day break. Uh, winners of two in a row and five in a row, five straight on the road. When we come back, Capitals insider J.J. Reagan from NBC Sports Washington joins us to break down what we might see in the weeks ahead. That's next on the Bob Matthews Podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Attention Hoops fans, this latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I am talking between the legs, 360 windmill too good to pass up. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It is that simple. No must, no fuss. And if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everybody can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 and over, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibitive, minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467369. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Time to bring in Capitals insider J.J. Reagan from NBC Sports Washington. Thanks for joining us today, my friend. Appreciate it. Always good to be on. Not that anybody can uh, see this because, of course, we are theater of the mind, but I am looking at uh, JJ's uh, home office and there is a Virginia Tech flag in the background. Huge basketball game this weekend with possible March Madness implications with the Tar Heels coming to town. Yeah, I'm pumped. You know, I'm especially I'm just living off of the big win over UVA. That's always always the big goal is to beat the Cavaliers. So I'm happy about that one. Absolutely. Well, my house were tense because my our youngest goes to Carolina. And my wife is a Carolina grad. So uh-huh. unfortunately, we're going to be rooting hard for the other team. Dude, don't hold it against me is all. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep that in mind. 
I appreciate that. You're a much better person than I am, but we knew that already. Hey, let's drop the pucks and talk some hockey here. Um, what the heck is going on? It seems like the Caps have been stuck on four out of their last six, if you look at the expanded standings, since um, since the beginning of the year. Uh, I mean, this is the midseason doldrums personified, isn't it? Yeah, it is. There's always a point in the season where it seems like they just get bored a little bit. Um, you know, over the course of an 82-game season, everyone goes through slumps, and the Capitals definitely hit that slump in January and February, like clockwork pretty much every year. Uh, this year, the concern is that this has extended for quite a while. I think you could mark the slump at the beginning of January, and now we're into mid-February, and they're still struggling to get out of it. So that's you know, with a team as old as they are, that that's a concern of whether or not, oh, have they run out of gas? Are we seeing the end of the window? So that that's always the concern. And there are a lot of issues that this team is dealing with. The goaltending has not been good enough overall. The special teams, yeah, I know everyone talks about the power play, which has been bad. The penalty kill has been bad too. So overall, special teams have been atrocious. And meanwhile, TJ Oshie's not back yet. Anthony Mantha's not back yet. So there are definitely some issues. The good news is that there's a pretty clear separation between the top eight and the bottom eight in the standings. So unless we see a monumental collapse and somebody get really hot in the bottom, uh, bottom eight, they're in no real danger of missing the playoffs. But you're also in danger, depending on where they slide into that wild card, of, of moving to the Atlantic. Now, the Metropolitan is going to be tough. Well, you have to play Carolina or um, or or Pittsburgh or one of those teams from the Metro. That'll be tough. But you don't want to have to go to the Atlantic and play Tampa Bay or Florida or one of those teams. So um, they're not in danger of getting out of the playoffs, but they need to start to pick things up here soon. Otherwise, you know, we know that they're looking for things at the trade market, but it, remember, it's Stanley Cup or bust. It's Stanley Cup or bust. This team is old. They there, there's, you know, there's no moral victory in getting to the second or third round. It's cup or bust. And right now they seem pretty far off from that goal. They, they, re they really do. What has been um, the, or do the coaches, have they articulated what the problem has been with the goaltending? Because it looks like, and anybody they run in there, God knows they've, they've had four guys that they've tried in there this year. They'll have a good game and then a bad game. Ilya Samsonov looks great one day gives up four goals in the first period the next day. The next day, same thing with Vanacek and, and for that matter, Copley and Fucal. Although I don't think anybody thought either one of them was going to pull a Jordan Bennington. But what, what's been the problem with these guys? Well, I mean, you sort of touched on it. It's inconsistency. We know Ilya Samsonov has elite athletic ability. He has the ability to be a top goalie. It's just that you don't see it on a nightly basis. You see the 43 save night against the Pittsburgh Penguins and then the very next night, now, yes, back to back, but the very next night he gets pulled against the Edmonton Oilers after giving up three goals and four shots. You can't have that, you know, and that's just, it, it's always one step forward, two steps back with him. And, and that's unfortunate because he's the guy who has all the tools. He's the guy who, who, if you look at their four goalies, has the highest, highest ceiling. He's the one that they kind of needed to be their number one because Vitek Vanacek, yeah, he's played well. Um, he's been sidelined by an injury, which is why we haven't seen him lately, but he played well for a stretch there. But the problem is he, I, I just don't think the ceiling is high enough for him. I don't think you're going to win a Stanley cup with Vitek Vanacek as your number one. I just don't think he's good enough. He has completely surpassed my expectations. 
He has definitely been the better of the two goalies this season. But again, you are not going to win a Stanley Cup if Vitek Vanacek is your starting goalie. I just do not see it. I don't think he's good enough. And, and so it, it's a problem. And so the, the problem the Caps are facing is, okay, you get Vitek Vanacek back and he continues to play at the level he was before. That's good. But you still have to go out and get a goalie because, like I said, he's not good enough. Whereas, you know, maybe if Sam Sonoff could catch fire, maybe you could feel good about a Sam Sonoff Vanacek tandem. But, you know, you've had a year and a half of this. You got a month before the trade deadline. Is the next month going to be enough to change anybody's minds over what happened, you know, over the, the last year and a half we've seen where nobody's been able to establish themselves? So, yeah, the, the biggest issue has just been the inconsistency. You don't know what you're getting on a nightly basis between the pipes. Not to mention the fact, what would it cost to bring Marc-Andre Fleury here at the, de- at the trade deadline? Yeah, that's going to be a big cost, especially because to make that work, uh, Chicago would have to retain salary. So you can bump up the price tag right there. Uh, and it, that has a trickle down effect on the caps because I don't see how they can bring Anthony Mantha back onto the active roster uh, with Marc-Andre Fleury uh, because they need the cap space that you get from him being on LTIR. So you know, this is a team that's also dealing with forward depth issues. You know, it their scoring is pretty much Ovechkin, sometimes Kuznetsov, sometimes Wilson, and then uh, who knows who's yeah. going to step up that night. So and you got away with that for half the season with young guys contributing here and there, uh, but no one has been able to really score consistently for, for them. So do you want to risk not bringing a guy like Anthony Mantha back until the playoffs so that you can fit in a goalie? You probably do because goaltending is probably their biggest need right now. But like I said, there's a trickle down effect there. How much in, we talk about this a lot in, in football. Uh, we heard it a lot with Taylor Heineke, you know, once, uh, once the league got four games worth of tape on him, it was going to be a lot harder for him to do what he did without making adjustments. Does the same thing work in hockey with, with a lot of these kids? Because we've seen them, Connor McMichael got off to a fast start, Alexi Protus got off to a fast start. And as you said, none of them have really established themselves. But is that because the league kind of now, the players on the other teams kind of know what they do well and what they don't do well. So now it's up to them to make the adjustment. Yeah, that that comes into play somewhat. It comes into play more in the playoffs when you can focus on a team for a long period of time. It's a little bit harder in the regular season when you might be playing another team literally the very next night. Uh, but we do see it for guys who are, are consistently in the lineup. I think teams have played Martin Farivari very physically this year. And I think there, there was a, a push by, uh, by opposing teams and opposing coaches saying, test this guy physically, because if he can't play physically they really don't have anybody else on that blue line let's wear him down and see what we can do uh so there is definitely a a factor of that uh mostly what you see with the rookies is they just hit a wall 82 games is more than you than you play at any level so they at some point you just hit the wall because it's hockey all the time it's every day and it's hard to last over an 82 game season even veterans struggle with that veterans go through through phases where all of a sudden they're really cold and it doesn't look like, you know, maybe they're laying out as much in January and February as they would be at the beginning of the season or at the end when they're in the playoff push. So, um, yes, they do scout teams. Uh, do I think that the rookies have taken a step back lately because teams have sort of figured them out? 
I, I wouldn't go that far. I think it's just been, you've been able to plug in, you know, Nicholas Backstrom has come back. Um, COVID isn't running rampant through the locker room. So you haven't seen these guys as consistently in the lineup that you have previously. I think that has more to do with sort of the step back they've taken, which is to be expected for all these guys. Because there have been a lot of young ones in the lineup. Um, we talked about the power play a minute ago, and it, it's it's been god-awful this year. I think it's 29th or something like that in the league. How much of that do you think is not having TJ Oshie there? Because he was that guy that, I mean, he camps out right there in front of the goaltender, and you know we normally see a lot of power play goals from him there. Yeah, I, I think it has a factor. I think Nicholas Backstrom's absence was more significant because he's really the quarterback of the power play. So getting him back is is great. But then again, since getting him back is not as if the power play has taken off. I think it's just grown stale in general. Uh, I, I think, you know, for a lot of years, the break-in was, was troubling. They do the drop pass, which most people refer to as the slingshot which can be an effective break-in tool. It's just that they do it so slowly that it, it takes all the benefits out. You can do the, the drop pass effectively if you run it quickly because defenses can't account for you if you're going like a rocket down the ice. They can if you do it as slowly as the Capitals do. So I, I never understood why they run it that way. But lately, the problem is this year, You know, even with the drop pass, previously when the Capitals could get their power play set up, it was still dangerous. This year, it's just stale. The puck movement is too slow. It's too deliberate. And it's always just forcing the puck to Ovechkin. Now, you could make that complaint for a few years, but it was more effective because they weren't forcing it quite as much. Now, he might be covered. The passing lanes may be covered. And they're just trying to force that puck there because, you know, uh, for much of the early part of the play, the season, there weren't any other options there. Everyone was in and out of the lineup. You never knew who was going to be in the power play on any given night. But now it just seems that they're still doing it. It's still deliberate. You still see, you know, uh, there's a pass. Guy stick handles, stick handles, looks, looks, can't find anyone, passes it back to somebody else. And he stick handles, stick handles, looks around, can't find. It's just too slow. Really, you got to know where the puck is going before it gets to your stick because four players can't cover that. And the Capitals have never done that very well in the last few years, and it's really come to a head this year. So as we as we head down the stretch, <clears throat> we get out of the grind here, as I like to call it, this month. We head into March and April. Uh, they need some more scoring options. If you had to look in your crystal ball, who is most likely of the kids to maybe get over the wall and pick it up, and if they're going to be successful in the playoffs, become one of those scoring threats that they need? Well, there are two schools of thought on this. One, I would tell you that Joe Snively would probably be that guy because he's probably going to get more opportunities from the coaching staff. I, I think the fans would like that player to be Connor McMichael. Connor McMichael certainly has a higher ceiling than Joe Snively. He has a better skill set than Joe Snively. Connor McMichael has not earned the trust of the coaches yet, as Joe Snively has simply, uh, seemingly just stepping into the lineup. The thing that people need to remember that Joe Snively isn't fresh out of junior uh, the way, well, and Connor McMichael had a year in Hershey, but Joe Snively's older than Connor McMichael. He's an adult. He's, he's 26 years he, old. I think, he, right? Yeah, he, he's an adult. He had years at Yale. Uh, so him stepping into the lineup, he's more physically ready for the NHL grind than Connor McMichael. And I think that has a lot to do with 
some of the restricted playing time we see Connor McMichael get. Connor McMichael struggles on board battles. He struggles on port puck battles. He struggles to win those puck battles in critical moments, and that has affected his playing time. Now, should he be getting more playing time than he is? Yeah, probably. On you know, I, I don't know why he hasn't been on the power play at all. There was one game specifically against Los Angeles where the Cats were without five of their top six forwards, and Connor McMichael still wasn't on the power play. I don't understand that reasoning there, but so, like I said, I want to tell you that that, that guy is Connor McMichael because he has a better skill set. Uh, you know, do I see the capital him being a key contributor in a playoff run the way Jacob Rana was when they won the cup? I could see that from Connor McMichael if he can be a tad more physical. Ghibli, the answer though, because Joe Snively has more trust from the coaches. He has three goals in three games. You got to give him credit there. And as you mentioned, he's an adult. He's he's uh, grown into his body and is looks more physically ready for the NHL grind at this point. But the the skill set and the ceiling, I think, is far lower with him. So I see him probably maybe if this team is at full health, probably being a 13th forward, maybe a guy you can plug in if, if you need it in the playoffs, but you know, I, are, are there offensive issues going to be solved internally? I would say probably not. I think they, they would have to bring in someone else other than getting back TJ Oshie and Anthony Mantha, which of course would be the biggest boost of all at this point. Yeah. Last question. And with Oshi, any, any timetable yet? I know he's been day to day. It seems like forever. Does he seems like he, he's close to getting back? Uh, I heard he skated on Monday. Now the, the, yes, as you mentioned, when he first went out, they said day to day. Well, that was several weeks ago. And so, you know, I guess you could label any injury as day to day. And even if they're back a day or a year, it was day by day. Um, we saw, saw him skate about a week after the injury prior to practice and we thought okay first step towards a return and then we didn't see him at all so -hmm. the fact that he was on the ice on monday shows a certain amount of of progress there now after the thursday night game the capitals have a week off between games and they are going to take the weekend off of practice so no practice on friday saturday sunday Uh, i would be looking to see if he's on the ice for monday's practice to see you know, if, if, if he's progressing to the point where he can be back with the team, because that is a few days off. I think that I, I don't know at that point, it, it seems pretty significant to me to be missing a player that significant for that long a time. And, and the team not really to know what the timetable is there. JJ Reagan, NBC sports, Washington. You can follow him on Twitter at JJ Reagan, NBCS. My friend, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Anytime. Take care. care. Sorry for the uh, couple of times the audio kind of buffered on us. Just had a little bit of Wi-Fi problems there. All right. That's going to do it for us. Again, caps off until next Thursday. Our thanks as always to JJ Reagan for joining us for that one. Have enjoy the little mini break we got here. We'll see you Thursday night, more than likely with a live watch along YouTube channel, so be, uh, keep a lookout for that. We'll see you then. Remember, like the wise man once said, if you're out of your bike tonight, as always, do wear white.